0: Stock eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. The jury has reached a decision in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh, they have uh, the the court has called back into the courtroom the family of the victims of the well I say victims but the the people that were killed by Kyle Rittenhouse. So they've called their family into the courtroom, and so um, let me see here. All right. So Rittenhouse is now back in the courtroom. They've got the bailiff in there. They've got... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a full room. Looks like they're waiting on the jurors to come back. Yeah. They say all we know is that they have reached a decision. Don't know on what or, or anything. I want to take this opportunity, though, to offer up a prayer for peace. No matter what this ruling is, and also for uh, not just, you know, physical peace, but also peace for, the, uh, for all the families and uh, the people involved, because people don't realize, I was talking with Brett Winterbull about this yesterday out at the car show, unless you've been in a trial, sat through a trial, been a juror on a trial or something, like, you spend a lot of time in a courtroom with people like this, it is just, it's an exhausting endeavor for everybody. And it's emotionally draining. And there are, you know, people, and they take pictures. You see the pictures. They're like, oh, the guy was, you know, smiling. Like, how dare you smile? Like, well, it's a two-week trial. They take lots of breaks. Maybe a few minutes while we... Ah. So, maybe a few minutes. All right, so I'll go ahead and mute that. Um, It is... It, it, it's, it, it is such a unique environment, atmosphere, a courtroom, courtroom setting where everybody is there and you're only separated by like the aisle right down the middle of the courtroom. You've got the family and, uh, you know, supporters of victims. You've got the family and supporters of the accused. You got the jurors. You have law enforcement, defense attorneys. You have media and. Everyone is all there together. And then the part that you don't ever see really is that after the jury is, you know, let out of the room and they're like, all right, you know, going home for the day or whatever, everybody gets up and has to leave together. Everybody leaves that courtroom. Whenever there's a break, people are just kind of hanging around inside the courtroom, but also more importantly, out in the hallways. And so they're hanging out in the hallway. They're taking the elevator. That's one of the things I remember. Gosh, covering trials at the Mecklenburg the old Me, or what's well, not the old Mecklenburg courthouse it was like the second or third Mecklenburg courthouse whatever they had like one elevator they had one elevator and everybody had to wait on this one elevator it was terrible and so uh and and that was the only way down so you would end up in an elevator with you know opposing counsel <laughs> with whatever with some star witness and you know sometimes you hear stuff in the hallways and that would become subject not just of news stories, but the subject of uh, questioning by the judge. like was there a discussion that occurred in the hallway and somebody overheard this and whatever. Uh, so there's that. Also, I will relay there was a there was a story that a, a old friend of mine, he was a, a lawyer here in town. He is now deceased, but uh, he used to uh, talk about how in the middle of the so the I don't know what you call it, the the middle courthouse in Mecklenburg County. They've got this little courtyard and they've got these big boulders set up in the middle of the courtyard and there were 12 of them. And he said like these, these rocks that are out there, these boulders, like they put them out there. And if you go out, I think there was like a little placard and it said, these represent the 12 jurors upon which the, you know, the bedrock upon which the, the uh, judiciary is built. Our whole system is built upon, you know, the 12 juror system. And he relayed to me that there was like the running joke in the legal community was that the 12 rocks are actually a more accurate representation of a lot of juries, (laughs) which that's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why I do not predict jury outcomes because you don't ever know. So I saw in this Rittenhouse case last night, that uh, people were making a big deal about the uh, the fact that the judge let a juror or all of the jurors, I guess, take home the jury instructions. The jury instructions are like thirty something pages long and are like darn near indecipherable. So and, and and you sit there in the jury box and you're listening to the judge give you, I mean, l- literally read through thirty six pages of of legalese of the law right and he's just reading this stuff to you and it's really difficult to kind of follow so i have no problem with sending jury instructions home it's just statute so they just he just sent it home with the the jurors so they can look it over and now after what four days we now have uh we now apparently have a decision so let me see it's like uh, there's some, can't something going any, on here.
1: Can't permit any kind of a Reaction to the verdict, and uh, as you can see, there is quite a bit of law enforcement here, and you will be whisked out of here if there is any. So,
0: just be aware. All right, so they're bringing the jury back. That's the standard uh, warning to the crowd that when they read the verdict, we will not we will not allow you to act like morons because people will act like morons. Um, okay. And so he gave that warning to them. They're now bringing in the the jury and, and apparently taking some phone calls. I'm not true. Sure.
1: Hello. Would you come down, please? Yes. Thank
0: you. Oh, all right. Well, that's how that's done in Kenosha. All right. So they're going to walk him down. So it's going to be a while. I don't know how far away the jury room is. By the way, I have also just, in case you were wondering, I have seen some of the reporting the rumor mongering that's been going around about the trial, about the, you know, oh, so and so heard some jurors saying this behind closed doors, whatever. Like, I don't, I, I don't bring any of that stuff forward. I, I, there's no reason for me to do so. It's all just rumor and speculation, uh, and I'm not interested in ginning that stuff up for no reason. So I will just wait. I'm okay waiting. I am fine to sit and wait for the jury to do their their job to bring, that, uh, bring back the verdict and to then uh, listen to it. In fact, all right, so that's not guilty on all counts. There's Kyle Rittenhouse, is, uh, he just breaks down crying. He's off the screen now. So does every one, one of the test counts, test. he is not guilty. He's uh, would you wish weak. the jury pulled?
1: No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, folks, your uh, job is done. and
0: uh, That's it.
1: We started just about three weeks ago. And I... I I told you it
0: could last. All right, so that's the the verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, murder trial. He's been acquitted on all counts uh, by the jury. I think there were six total counts, and after the verdict uh, was read, he broke down crying and kind of collapsed towards the floor, and he was helped to a chair, and he's uh, now watching the jury, and they gave him some water, and he's, like, breathing very heavily. He's obviously emotionally drained. His mom is uh, crying. I think that's his sister, and she's crying in the background. I've uh, n- there was no real outcry in the courtroom, so the people obviously uh, followed the judge's warning on that. And he is uh, so there. He, he's acquitted. He's not guilty on all counts. I believe we've got uh, the rest of the commercial break to finish up. So we'll go ahead. And just bounce. do we have more of the commercial break to go to? What's that? Go to twenty-one. Okay. Um, now it's not guilty. I'm just looking at the uh, the feeds here, do, 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 do just to see if there's any write-up because I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I, I mean, uh, the fact that he was acquitted on every single one of them to me is uh, kind of surprising. I thought there may have been some deals that were going to be cut because of the length of time it took to get a verdict. Um, But apparently sending them home with the jury instructions that helped seal the deal, that helped to get them to a conclusion. Um, Yes, Drew McCoy pointing out that if you have something that's bad news that you want to get out there into the public, you need a, a news dump, just go ahead and uh, do it now. <laughs> I guess no one's going to be paying attention. A um, uh, Rittenhouse Hugs defense team. They have... Sorry, I'm just trying to uh, look through. It's like watching the Matrix um, scroll by here. Now the question is, with the not guilty verdicts that have come down... Now the question is going to be whether or not people behave badly in Kenosha, Wisconsin, or in other cities. This gets to um, one of the one of the issues I talked about a couple of uh, days ago about the Rittenhouse case: is that there were a lot of people that were essentially uninformed or misinformed about the details of the Rittenhouse case, about what had occurred. Because they consume media from only certain outlets. And in doing so, those outlets ignored really critical pieces of information. For example, if you watch MSNBC, well, you're not going to be able to watch MSNBC from inside the courthouse because MSNBC got banned from being inside the courthouse because they sent a freelance uh, producer to go tail the jurors bus on the way back to the hotel. And, The guy apparently ran a red light in order to do so and um, got pulled over by the police, told the police officer that he was following orders from a producer back in New York. That producer back in New York subsequently uh, wiped out her social media profiles after this became uh, after it became known and her name got out there. So she she blitzed her entire social media presence thereby basically confirming that, yes, MSNBC had assigned a producer to go tail the jury. Now, giving them the benefit of the doubt, MSNBC, because we all know MSNBC would give everybody else the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they were simply trying to get images of the jurors to try to get license plates and car makes and models of the jurors so this way they could Reach out to them afterwards for interviews. Not that they were trying to intimidate the jury or anything like that. They weren't trying to. Uh, they weren't trying to do any jury tampering or anything. Um, they were just trying to do journalism. They were just getting ready. They were getting ready for after the verdict is read, and they got caught. And then the judge banned them from the courthouse. And I've seen some lawyers from the left. Which basically they all are, I think. Um, but they were saying, You can't do that. That's not fair. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure. I, I think I think a judge has a lot of latitude to do a lot of different things like that. Tossing people from a particular media outlet, especially when you can get the pool feed from inside the courthouse. I don't think he's really on shaky grounds on that front. But MSNBC, here was Chris Hayes. He said, do we want a society in which political conflict is settled on the streets between people with guns, one in which everyone is armed and can therefore view the other people armed as a plausible threat? Is that the society we want? Why? Political conflict. So what Chris wants us to ignore is all of the conflict that was going on before Kyle Rittenhouse went to Kenosha. There is this, there's this thing that the left is demanding. It is that we forget all of the factors involved in the case. They just want us to see one guy at one moment and ignore all of the evidence. And what happened by putting the cameras in the courthouse there is that everybody got to see the evidence. And a lot of people came to realize that what they had been told up to now has not been true. All right, we'll take a quick break on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Back in a minute. News Talk 1110 ninety nine three wbt Joining me now, as she does on every Friday, is the Senior Vice President of the John Locke Foundation, Becky Gray. Hello, Becky. How are you?
1: I'm great. On a Friday afternoon, at yeah. the end of a very long week, yes.
0: And a very long three years, right? Uh, it's been a while since we've had a budget in this state. That was a new budget, I should say.
1: Yeah, and You know, finally, we everybody came together. The governor signed it as soon as the general assembly got it over there, and so it's all done. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to report we have a budget.
0: We have a budget. It is, uh, it's pretty big, right? It's what uh, I've got the number here: twenty-five point nine billion dollars, and then a lot
1: of money. Yeah,
0: Uh, so twenty-six basically, and then the next year it's twenty-seven billion. Rainy day fund going up to four and a quarter billion. So, were you surprised? that cooper the governor cooper announced his intention to sign this into law did that surprise you
1: a little bit because as you mentioned pete this was the first budget that we've had since 2018 governor cooper had a long history of vetoing these budgets so i was surprised And of course he did it at in a press conference as the general assembly was beginning to consider the budget he came out at exactly the same time that the senate had begun their deliberations and said that he would sign the budget so i was a little bit surprised but i was very pleased and you know the more that i've thought about it and i've seen his comments and comments of other democratic members who have supported the bill they recognize that this is a good bill that it moves the state forward It doesn't do everything, but I think everybody agrees with that. You know, there's always – with government, there's always more that they could or want to do. But at some point, you have to say, this is good enough. And I think this budget not only is good enough, I think this is a great budget. And, Pete, I'm just real pleased that everybody has come together. Most people, there were a handful of Democrats in the House and the Senate that did not vote for it, but the governor did, and the majority of the Democratic caucuses, all the Republicans voted for it. So it was just, it was so nice to see on a whole variety of levels. One, they could agree to everything, but the most important thing is is this is a good budget that puts North Carolina forward and puts us, continues us on a path to economic strength, economic recovery, and more opportunities for North Carolinians across the state.
0: So I wonder you mentioned the timing of the governor's announcement and I'm wondering did did he do that and I know this is just speculative but does he do that in order to prevent democrats uh that are getting ready to debate in order to send them the message hey don't you know don't don't blast this thing because I'm going to vote for it if he had allowed them if he did not signal this if he did not say he was going to sign it you could have had democrats going out there And, you know, railing against this thing only to see him turn around and sign it, also maybe to send the message, hey, I'm going to sign it so you can go ahead and vote yes, too. Yeah,
1: I I think there's probably a little bit of of both of those. I tell you, the thing that surprised me a little bit in the the way the governor came out with it, um, you know, I was surprised that he didn't take more credit. For a lot of this. Again, you know, you mentioned the savings reserve. There are teacher pay increases. There are pay increases for state employees. There are a huge amount of money to go for broadband expansion. There are tax reductions that, you know, he he has said he doesn't like, but every North Carolinian that pays taxes is going to get a tax cut. I think that's something, you know, worth mentioning. Huge investments, continued investments in education, you know, not as much as the governor has proposed, but significant um, investments in education, significant investments in capital in infrastructure. Um, you know, the, the governor said it's a good budget. It moves things forward. It's way past time to have a budget. If I was surprised at anything, it was that he didn't take more credit for some of the things that actually had been part of, you know, his his things that he had asked for, things that were in his original budget. Now, in many cases, it wasn't as much as he had put put forward. You know, the teacher raises were not quite as much as what he had suggested. But you know, things like bringing up um, most local employees of public schools and community colleges to the minimum wage um there, there's just a you know a, a lot of things in here that i think anybody who has supported this bill can be proud of and can can taunt what they're doing um I, I, again i was just a little bit surprised that the governor didn't take more credit for some of the
0: specifics in the budget yeah when you read this statement that the north carolina democratic party put out they do right they they say it's not a perfect budget uh, but they claim that Democrats and Cooper forced Republicans to the negotiating table and delivered increased investments in teacher and state employee pay, infrastructure and businesses as we emerge from the pandemic. They then list a bunch of things like high speed Internet access, you know, broadband um, funding for uh, historically black colleges and universities and the uh Assistance to recover from Tropical Storm Fred. But I mean, all of those things were Republican priorities. They'd been funding them (laughs) for years already. Right. But at least, like, I understood what the Democratic Mm. Party's trying to do. It's trying to position itself as look at, you know, we delivered these things for you, too. They're trying to glom on.
1: Sure. And, you know, um, I'm. the the thing about it is, and and you'll see a lot of this, and I I get that we're living in a very polarized political environment, um, but you know these these are good things, no matter whose idea it was, and like you said, most of these things were prior, and you know really when it comes down to it. The governor's priorities and the ones we thought at the Democratic Party and the priorities for the Republicans were really the same except for Medicaid expansion. That was the one thing. I mean, even the teacher pay increases that the governor has said he hasn't signed the budget over the last couple of years, that he doesn't feel like they're large enough. That everybody agrees that teachers and, and you know, I think it's important to remember, too, state employees also get a pay bump. And I think with all the noise that the teacher union seems to make, we've heard a lot about teachers deserve a pay increase. You know, you look at our correctional officers, you look at the law enforcement officers, you look at a lot of the frontline workers who have been at the forefront of the pandemic and a lot of the unrest that we've seen over the last year and a half two years um you know these are the state employees too who in in my view and in this budget they also get a pay increase and i think that's significant too i mean i think i think that's a big deal and um i think it's a good thing in that in addition to the teachers um state employees are also getting a pay increase particularly for the correctional officers the probation officers you know in adult correction that they got a a pay bump and I was very happy to see that also there was a um a bonus for the state retirees and I think that's also important that we recognize not just those that are currently giving their service to the state but those who have spent their career in service to to the state. So there was a lot in there. Something else, Pete, that's significant that I feel like we have to mention, too, is there was an exemption for military retirement income Mm -hmm. from the state income tax. So we've we've heard about the tax reductions, the the tax cuts for personal income, for corporate. There's simplification of the franchise tax. There is additional per-child tax credit. Uh, There's also increase in the standard deduction and also an exemption for military retirement, which, with the huge military presence that we have in North Carolina, and really competing with other states to have our veterans, our military personnel, as they retire, we want them to come to North Carolina. So this is a big deal, too.
0: Yeah. Um, Becky Gray, the Senior Vice President at the John Locke Foundation, you can read the analysis of the budget and all things... Uh, state legislative at the Carolina Journal. CarolinaJournal.com is the website. Becky, always a pleasure. Thanks so much, and have a great weekend.
1: Pete, great to be with you. Have a great weekend, and happy Thanksgiving.
0: Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. I guess this is the last time we'll talk uh, before the uh, before the uh, holiday. So, Becky Gray, CarolinaJournal.com. This is Umar Von Cannon talking about traffic. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Kyle Rittenhouse earlier in the hour was acquitted on all charges in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, The terrible hot takes are commencing. So the uh, governor signed into state law the budget. This is the first budget that Governor Roy Cooper has in fact signed since becoming governor. I know he's already in his second term, but it is the first budget he has signed. We've been operating on previous budgets from 2018, 2019. So just, they just keep continuing them. And the General Assembly has done like some what they call mini budgets um, in order to uh, to pay for additional uh, funding in certain areas, but they've been very limited over the last few years. So Governor Cooper finally saw, uh, signs the budget. I'll go over a couple of the, and Becky Gray did as well, some of the the headlines, some of the big numbers here, like the minimum wage for all non certified personnel and community college staff. It's going to $15 an hour starting next year. Uh, they're going to use federal funds to give most teachers a $2,800 bonus. That is above and beyond the pay raises that they are getting, which are 2, 5% two, 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 pay raise for most state employees and an average pay raise for teachers over. The two years it's a they call it a biennium the uh, state of north carolina runs its budgets every two years they'll do the the long session big budget and then they'll do the short session next year they'll come back for what they call a short session and uh they'll just make some minor uh tweaks to the budget it's you know if they need to make changes they'll they'll make a few changes but it's not they called the short session for a reason they're not they generally don't take up controversial items big bills anything like that um what else? They call for the budget calls for bonuses for all state employees using federal funding. Fifteen hundred dollars for state employees who make under seventy-five k. If you make over seventy-five thousand, you'll get a thousand-dollar bonus. Um, if you are a correctional officer, staffer, twenty-four-hour uh, residential or treatment facility employee, your bonus will be fifteen hundred dollars. They also set up a fund hundred million dollars in recurring funds for a new state-funded teacher salary supplement so the way education funding in North Carolina works is uh, the state pays for operating expenses and they do that based on the number of kids in the schools uh, it's, a, it's a per capita funding level it's number so they base it on attendance and uh, by the way there's a lot of criticism from conservatives against the Republicans, for maintaining funding levels, even when school enrollment has dropped off because of the pandemic. But uh, that being said, the operation of the schools is funded by the state, and then the capital needs are funded by the counties, usually through property taxes, and they'll float, you know, school construction bonds like uh, CMS and Mecklenburg County have uh, for years. But you are also at the county level, you're allowed to add in a bunch of money for teacher pay. And Mecklenburg County does that. Most counties do it, actually. They can afford to do it. Most counties in the the state of North Carolina do supplemental uh, compensation. And so there are counties, though, that cannot afford to supplement their teacher pay. And so this $100 million funding would help those counties add to their supplements or create a supplement. And basically every county is going to be able to get some of this money basically except Mecklenburg, Wake, uh, I believe uh, Durham and Buncombe. Maybe not Durham, maybe it was Forsyth or Guilford. Um, Yeah. And so Democrats are claiming that it's, you know, this is all political. The reason why the, uh the general assembly created this fund and they uh they blocked the big cities from getting it is because you know democrats live there and and they are, are you know the school districts are controlled by democrats and all of that you know or it's for the fact that like they have much bigger budgets <laughs> you know they got much larger budgets adding a quarter of a cent onto the property tax rate will generate a ton of money in mecklenburg county so You can afford to do this, Mecklenburg County can afford to do it, you know, and also, I don't know, maybe reduce your administrative overhead, reduce those types of expenditures and maybe, maybe you'll be able to afford more teacher pay. It's one of the, it's one of the, uh, the blind spots that a lot of reporters have when it comes to education reporting. For some reason, they just don't see the growth in the administration bloat, but I digress. What else does it do? Capital and infrastructure: six billion dollars in cash to the state capital and infrastructure fund over two years. Um, it'll provide a uh, billion dollars for broadband expansion. Tax-wise, it increases the zero tax bracket to twenty-five thousand five hundred. So your first twenty-five thousand five hundred dollars tax-free in North Carolina. It's cutting the personal income tax rate from five and a quarter percent down to. so under 4%. That'll start, uh, or, sorry, that'll be by the year 2027. And this is one of the things, I know there are a lot of people that are like, why can't you just, you know, slash it now, do it all now? One of the things, I remember talking to uh, former State Senator Bob Rucho from Mecklenburg County. This has been one of his big things, was for years to try to get North Carolina to a, you know, zero income tax rate uh, levels, uh, corporate, personal, that sort of thing. And years ago, you know he said it's it's more art than science you you don't want to shock the system right you're you're dealing with a 26 billion dollar budget you got revenues coming in you got a lot of different revenue streams and a lot of economic impacts that you won't know are going to occur based on you know economic situations that occur in the future so they started back when the republicans first took over and they started just lopping off a quarter of a percentage point each year And then seeing what it did to the revenue in the state treasury. And then they would be able to adapt and react if for some reason, you know, they took a quarter percent off and all of a sudden they're hemorrhaging money. okay, well, let's stop. Let's not proceed with more revenue or uh, uh, yeah revenue reductions via tax cuts. Let's not do that unless we know we've got the funding. And by the way, every single time they did this, every single time they reduced the tax rate. More and more money keeps flowing into the coffers. It's almost as if there's a lesson to be learned there. You would think the left would really, really love tax cuts because it brings in so much money. (laughs) It brings in so much money for the treasury. I don't get it. Uh, What else? Um, So next year, it's going to go down from five and a quarter percent down to 4.99 percent. So under five percent. It's going to increase the child tax deduction by $500 per kid. It will eliminate the state income tax on military pensions as well. It's giving a 5% supplement for state retirees. It's also going to appropriate a bunch of money from uh, the Help America Voting, Help America Vote Act, or HAVA, H A V A, HAVA, HAVA funds. They're going to take a bunch of that money to enhance technology and improve cybersecurity. Um, Also, as I mentioned yesterday, it revises the Emergency Management Act in order to require a vote of the Council of State to expand uh, or, sorry, extend a statewide emergency beyond 30 days. It'll prohibit collusive settlements by the attorney general. And uh, it's also going to uh, spend a bunch of money, about a quarter of a billion dollars, deepening and expanding the Wilmington Harbor. So there you go. Um, I also got this. So, I don't know why I just got it now. I moved into the apartment several months ago. But I guess the voter registration just went through and I got this uh, this letter from the North Carolina General Assembly House of Representatives from Representative Mary Belk. Official letterhead and everything. Thank you for registering to vote. My name is Mary Belk. I am your representative in the North Carolina House. I'm a small business woman, mother of four was elected to her first term in the House in 2016. Hopefully this will be the first word in a conversation between us how we can make our district and our state healthier and more prosperous places. Being a representative means giving all my constituents, regardless of party affiliation, a voice in Raleigh, but I need to listen to your concerns before I can bring them to my colleagues. It has always been my belief that a government should be responsive to the needs of the people or it risks losing their confidence. You are having issues with state government services... Or if you need help getting the attention of a state agency, my office is here to help. She's got this whole letter. Like, this is, this is campaigning. This is campaign material. How is she able? I've never gotten a letter like this from a state lawmaker before. This seems, I don't know, what's the word for it? Inappropriate. <laughs>